0: Welcome to Watch This Space, the podcast about future of work. Every month, we bring you insider perspectives on how digital transformation, emerging technologies, and general change are shaping the future of work. We are two analog guys finding the groove for all of this in today's digital world. I am John Arnold, and these trends are my focus as an independent technology analyst in my company, J. Arnold & Associates.
1: And I'm Chris Fine. I'm an independent advisor and consultant specializing in all aspects of the workplace. My company's Integrative Technologies, LLC. Good morning, John.
0: Yeah. Good morning, Chris. And hi to everybody joining us for another episode. Um, on today's podcast, we have a lot to talk about, mainly because it's a busy time in the communications technology space. And we're gonna focus quite a bit on one of the recent virtual events, which was called Zoomtopia, hosted by Zoom, not surprisingly there. Um, and also I'm gonna to touch on some earlier events from the month, this being the month of October, we're looking back on, uh, it's a very, this is high time for in- industry events in the collaboration space in general. Now that we've switched, of course, to virtual models, There's actually even more events because it's easier and faster and cheaper to put them on. So it's a busy time for analysts like me, for sure. So over the course of the last month, not only has there been a virtual event from Zoom, but previous to that, Twilio and uh, Slack and a few others as well. But if I have to think of, Chris, the top handful of companies that are kind of leading the disruption in our kind of shift to the cloud, digital communications, AI, digital transformation, all of that stuff that falls into what I would call the collaboration bucket. Those are my top three. I can't think of any other companies who are doing more to kind of change the landscape.
1: Well, I certainly think in the communications area, you could argue that they're they're either the top three or they're in the top, let's say, five or top ten. I think there's probably between ten and a dozen companies that are revolutionizing the working experience in general. And, and and these would be part of that group.
0: Yeah. And not only that, of course, and we touched on this, Chris, in an earlier episode about how this environment has actually been good for companies in the collaboration space you know, you, you don't have to read too many headlines to know that Zoom in particular have just been, been killing it in the marketplace and, of course, being reflected in their valuation as a company. The, the stock market momentum that these three companies, uh, in particular them, as well as Twilio, that company is up like fivefold in the last year or so. I mean, it's just incredible to see the kind of hyper growth that these companies are having. Um, profitability not sure as much, but it doesn't seem to matter when you, when, when the train is running this fast and is so big, uh, it's impossible to ignore. And yeah, as you say, changing the landscape of, of the workplace now, um, these companies, you you just have to be following where they're going and what they're doing, because it, whatever they're doing, it's getting traction, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And as as we Ultimately, get through the pandemic and get back to work. I don't think it's going to, I don't think it's going to decrease. If anything, I think it's going to increase the use of these types of technologies because of our, all of what we've been talking about about the distributed workplace. I, I think just looking at any of this as a blip that's being enhanced by the fact that people can't go to the office is is, is short-sighted and clearly the investors seem to think the same thing.
0: Yeah, and so much of the success, you know, it's it's not like it was in the previous generation where the success is driven by fantastic technology that does things we just could never have imagined, and, and maybe that falls more into the AI world, but these are companies that have, you know, they're riding this idea of a user experience that is intuitive, it's, it's not meant for technology people per se you know there may be under the hood there's a lot going on but uh one of the opening comments that eric uh, juan made who's the ceo of zoom uh said is you know what zoom is just what you do like in the space of a year it's become you know a verb much like you know vonage has kind of become a the acronym for voip and of course you know i call vonage the kleenex of voip it just is the word you associate with it. You know, Skype used to be that, right? Skype me. And now it's Zoom. Like in the space of so little time since the pandemic, everybody knows what it means. And, it's you know, it's become a verb, right? As he says, Zoom is what you do. And it, it's true. I mean, for, for so many people. And to see habits change and adopt so quickly and, and, and just so pervasively across all generations and types... It's really hard to, um, I, I'm sure Steve Jobs would just be smiling seeing other companies getting it, making that experience so good and intuitive, and the rest takes care of itself.
1: Well, I, you know, it's funny you should, you should have mentioned Steve Jobs because I was actually thinking about Apple and, and him while you were talking and thinking exactly the same thing because, you know, the, the secret to that approach to product success is that you sweat the little details that not everybody sees. And they're not, they're actually not, they're not, they ultimately end up rippling into customer experience, which is, of course, the key thing. But they're under the surface, a lot of them. Uh, so when you look at Zoom, you think about it from a functional standpoint. They're not not—they're not perfect. There are things that over time they'll make a little easier, you know, uh, sending ad hoc invitations, random calls, et cetera, things like that. But they're not in the, in the fundamental service that they offer, you know, they're not that revolutionary in terms of the features. Like if you just listed feature functionality, you know, it's kind of like um, Nokia versus the iPhone back in the day, right? Where they're, they're both telephones, and, and Nokia made smart, made early smartphones too. But Apple just made a few things really easy. And you and I have been using collaboration tools for you know as long as they've been around, And you know that every one of them had some kind of, had either quality issues or UX issues or both that just made them maddening to use. And we'd been on hundreds and zillions of meetings where there'd be some kind of screw- up and it would, would be, you know would take a while and you'd wait 10 minutes. And so Zoom, basically, as far as I can tell, just tackled that. Along with some audio issues that most of the platforms had, their echo cancellers a lot better and stuff like that. And so it's kind of these little things that make a big difference, you know.
0: Yeah, they they sure do. And, and I also I, I want to pick the thread up for in a bit as well, Chris. But I also wanted to add this idea of I talked about scale, going big, going fast. Um, a lot of companies when they start talking about growth metrics. It's usually in the, you know, you might talk about hundreds of thousands of of, of customers. You might talk about millions of seats. And occasionally you start hearing about things like billions of minutes. I mean, you know, I'm not a mathematician, but when you start talking about trillions of anything, I can't get my head around it. I mean, it's a number that's just so big that you stop counting after a while kind of thing. And... The one that hit me hardest from Eric giving some of the metrics of their growth, saying that they are on track this year to hit three trillion meeting minutes. You know that how, how many hundreds of millions of billions is all of that? I've never heard a number that big be thrown around about anything other than maybe the U.S. GNP.
1: I agree with you. I mean, I think if you looked at You know, a couple of the other big conferencing or equivalent collaboration platforms, maybe over years they've gotten to that, but very few and not that fast. But, you know, it's worth pointing out also that so far they've had relatively few glitches getting there, you know, in terms of really big outages or performance issues, quality issues, which is really, I think, a, a testament to what seems to be pretty good engineering, because I think when they started, they never envisioned this kind of a surge, and they were able to handle it. You know,
0: and and yeah, you talk about opportunity, right? I mean, the pandemic has driven everybody to be more big, bigger, obviously, but they've just taken it to a level that is just so far ahead of anything else. Like you, you never hear Amazon, Google. You never hear them talking about trillions of anything, but this is this sticks. This is valid, right? This is that's the scale we're talking here.
1: Yeah, in terms of in terms of transactions, definitely.
0: Yeah, yeah. So get used to hearing that word trillion. That's, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. I've never had to think about anything in trillions before, but that's going to be a new metric.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's accelerated or it's magnified by the fact that so many. Of these, of these uh, uses of Zoom or multi-party, right? I was yeah. thinking to myself while you were talking, well, could you have said, at the height of the telephone network, would you have gotten there? And the answer is, I don't think so, right? Because it was mostly point-to-point, mm-hmm. right? So you take number of conversations and generally mu- multiply it by two, you know, to get the the total number, right? Whereas your average Zoom is probably five i don't know five they probably you may have said it at the conference but it's probably you know five to ten people yeah
0: yeah so the biggest mistake i want to just mention here is to think about zoom as a video conferencing company because that's what they are that's what they've built their business on to date but seeing eric i know you saw some of the sessions um but hearing over and over across the couple of days that they gave the updates, right from the beginning, the additions of features is mind-boggling what they're doing. So they know what they've got, but they also have a much bigger vision for where this can go. So you talked earlier, Chris, about the, like noise cancellation, right, features. And over the past few months, the other collaboration players, Cisco, uh, you know, uh, well, even, even Google, their updated uh, platform, but uh, Avaya, you name it, all the big players out there are all adding features to make their collaboration experience, Microsoft, the same thing, you know, stickier. And I don't think that's a winning strategy ultimately because it, everybody can keep adding features. So Zoom talked about uh, you know, well, we have all these new features we're, we're adding to make our experience better, so you know they have a seamless transition from a phone call to a video call and they've they've added encryption and they've boosted their security and you know they've got the AI apps going to relieve uh, zoom fatigue and and uh, the the noise reduction or suppression uh, feature that they have um, recording meeting highlights Uh, that kind of thing and they're expanding the platform to be more of an event platform they have all these other scenarios where they're adding apps they call them zaps and on zoom is now their event platform so it's a bit of this land and expand thing where you know they've got you for video but now they're making it a fully featured platform which in itself is is good you know uh, they're gonna have digital whiteboard uh, all you know all, when you know about like the backgrounds, you know you can have the blurred background, and everyone else does the copycat thing and they add those. But competitors just adding those features, I don't think is going to knock Zoom off their perch because they're they're adding them too. So anything anyone else can offer, they're doing the same thing. So that's going to allow them to kind of keep in front of um, of the competition, and that's fine. But I think there's a much bigger story here for Zoom, you know, beyond just the video piece. There was an interesting discussion in one of the sessions about enterprise customers who um, had converted to Zoom phone, and it was a very interesting conversation. They talked about how they asked employees before going to Zoom if they still wanted to use their desk phones, and they pretty much all said, well, of course. After they started using Zoom phone, they said that 90% of their employees changed their minds. They were that easily converted to the Zoom experience. And once you do that, you know, it just validates kind of, again, as Apple does, having a great user experience kind of, you know, supersedes almost everything else. It's really interesting to hear that.
1: It is, it is. And I'll, I'll, um, so I think your point about them not being just video conferencing is spot on, but I'll make another one. I don't think they're just a business product. I think that their their real potential huge market is basically as an an omnipresent product. Um, I don't think that uh, it's just going to be business. And I think that if I were uh, predicting, they're going to add a tier of service which comes with enough features where a consumer will just sign up for it. It's going to be above the free level of Zoom, but, but below what is currently the business tier. Um, and because I, everybody I know who gets together for anything does it on Zoom. There's a few outliers. I'm, I can't claim that 100%. But it's, it's a platform that it seems that just about anybody can figure out how to use, And just about any kind of equipment that they have, or most cases of networking, um, even if it isn't so great, they can get it to work in some way, right? Even if they can't always turn on the video, or they're using a cell phone as opposed to a computer, it just kind of doesn't matter. And so I think that, you know, especially with all the major changes that we know are coming out of the pandemic, I think it just becomes the new telephone call, if you want to call it that, and the new way of getting together with people. It's just so easy to do. You know, and it all goes back to what you said earlier, is it's just that much easier to use. You know, Skype could have done it. but Microsoft possibly could have done it before Skype. Cisco maybe. But this could become a consumer product too.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I also want to just touch on what I said earlier about this, this converting over to Zoom phone thing. You know, like Slack, their future in the business space anyways, relies on getting into enterprise for where the big bunny is um, and the scale is. And if you want to talk about how do these guys establish themselves as a viable alternative to kind of the status quo for collaboration products and applications... They had a financial services. They had a finserve session hosted by their CIO uh, Harry Mosley. He had on that session banks, Capital One, Moody's, Ally, Big Insurance Company. These are big enterprise and about as most the most conservative right line of business possible. Right? Button down, security, compliance, all that stuff. Well, these guys talk a lot about how easy it was for them to not just apply zoom and zoom phone capabilities but as a perfect solution for them to support their home workers and i just to me that just struck me that if you're looking for validation if it's good enough for this segment of the marketplace that tells you it's certainly good enough for the enterprise market
1: Oh, for sure. Well, that's the world that I came out of. And I can tell you that for a long, long time, you just use just about everything. And you always wanted something better. That that, that was just a, a constant, the kind of stuff that Zoom does well, was just a constant headache. And you know, to be able to get to a cloud platform that was deemed secure enough and could be accepted with compliance and all the other stuff and was this easy to use was a big step. Now, I do think that Zoom is going to need to do a little bit of work when everybody gets back to work to build out their hardware relationships so that you can do rooms. I, 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 they do it, but it, it, it's going to now that they're so in, empowered as they are versus, you know, in the older days, a few years ago. I do think that they, sh- they have an opportunity to partner up with some innovative vendors to revolutionize the in-room market too, the fixed market. Because that's, as we both know, a hugely expensive headache traditionally to do, it requires a lot of special equipment and all this other kind of investment, and always, always had problems. So that's another market that, that uh, they can capture, I think.
0: Yeah. Well, the fact that Zoom is monopolizing almost all of our time today, Chris, tells me that um, (laughs) they're they're doing something right. And that wasn't my intention because I could talk and we could talk equally as long about Slack and Twilio. And I got to tell you, takeaways from those events are just as interesting. Uh, The kind of stuff that Slack is doing to really build out its, again, expand its enterprise kind of offering um, again, to go where the money is and the kind of progress that they are making is is pretty impressive. And the kind of stuff that Twilio is doing, you mentioned earlier before our recording started, them acquiring segment, they are pushing hard into this kind of digital customer experience world where their Flex platform is meant to support that space. But the things that they're doing and you know for AI, for um, IOT, um, all of these applications, they're moving into that, you know, the, the IoT enabled endpoint space, all of it, you know, driven by developers and, and, and their kind of approach to building applications. It's, you know, the traction is impressive, and the, all of these, these big companies speak a lot to how, as you said earlier, Chris, how the kind of the work space, the workplace, work itself is evolving, and it's being increasingly shaped by these technologies. And as a wake-up call to anyone out there following the collaboration space, there are lots of companies doing well, but if you just immersed yourself in what these outliers who weren't in, the, in this world in a big way until recently, the kind of innovation that they're driving in the marketplace over the course of those few weeks, not once did you hear the words like telephones, Not once do you hear about companies like Cisco, Microsoft, Avaya. Those companies never come up in the conversation. You don't hear talk about email. I mean, these are conversations going on that have nothing to do with the way we've been doing things for decades. And it just shows you how much this this transformation that we're living is becoming real. And if not, oh, necessarily coming from the companies we know that well, right?
1: Well, I agree with you. And I would just also comment that, you know, we don't really endorse companies on this on this podcast, but we admire what they do. And we talk about it. And that's really what we're doing. So Zoom just had their big conference and they've been a major phenomenon. So I don't know about you, but I don't feel bad spending some time on them. But I agree with you completely about about um, Slack and Twilio. Slack's become another verb company. You slack somebody. and um, you know that it's become the de facto way of uh, messaging and also collaborating on in print. And also, Twilio, you know, it's hard to appreciate how hard it was to do anything that Twilio does before they were around. Uh, I remember when Twilio, even when they were getting started, when they were their first incarnation, somebody I was working with came up to me and showed me an application that he put together which would have required months before they were around. It was was basically an answering and telephone routing application. And um, it, it took him like three days. And it was, yes, he was smart, but you know what I mean—that to take—and to take what they do down a couple of orders of magnitude and complexity and scale, um, you know, to up in scale is a huge achievement. You know, and that's what I think of when I look at Twilio.
0: Yeah, just—and not to take anything away from the Cisco's and Microsofts, even the Googles and Amazons, who are all running hard and fast and having their own successes. But the world you know, it's bigger than that. That's, I guess, what I'm getting at. And this is as great a time for innovation as you can imagine with these technologies. Um, Speaking of stuff that innovates and changes, we're going to introduce a new segment to close this podcast out today, Chris. We're just going to take a bit of a turn and speak to the stuff for change that we actually like to do when we enjoy ourselves, and that's music. I just wanted to bring a topical uh, item that I mentioned to you before we recorded was news that Keith Jarrett, who is one of my heroes in the music world, as a j- jazz piano, has uh, had a couple of strokes. He's uh, not that old, but he cannot perform anymore, and it sounds like his days of any form of pre- concerts would be over at this point, point. and that's a real blow to anyone who's grown up uh, loving jazz, uh, a fan of improvisation, which is a big one for me, and just the uniqueness of his contribution to jazz, but also performance, right?
1: Well, it's a tragic thing, and you know anybody's heart would go out to him because his performances also were so improvisational. like you you saw only a very small slice of his genius when you listened to a record of his because of his ability to build out and improvise and take music in a whole new direction and how many people he influenced with that. And for any artist to be deprived of your art is a terrible thing. And, and so, you know, all of, all of us would definitely, our hearts go out to him.
0: Yeah, and, and in some ways it could be, you know, marking the end of, of, of an era, I think, of musicians and certainly that style of music that has thrived for a long, long time and we're seeing less of in this economy, in this world now, especially with COVID. And this whole idea of live performance is getting harder and harder to come by. And again, you talk about the innovation of these technologies, reinventing everything. Most of the virtual events I've been attending, and you as well, Chris, have some kind of a musical guest. And um, the surprise guest at Zoom was Alicia Keys. And she actually performed really, really beautifully. Uh, but just her at a piano, much like Keith Jarrett, actually. But, but it was really good, and I th- I think we've seen our share of some of these solo performances that can come off really nicely. Um, but getting past that into kind of ensemble situations presents all kinds of challenges. But I think the technology is being adopted now in ways that we're going to see more applications to for us to have some form of a meaningful social experience with with a a group performance music or theater or or spoken word right I, I, I think there are going to be responses to keep it going while we have to isolate
1: oh I agree I mean I see a lot of ingenious uses of technology right now with artists I think it's actually opened a whole bunch of doors to them because they are able to really let loose and relax and do things that they don't always... When you have to organize a tour or you have to travel or or you're just purely in a recording studio that you wouldn't do. And so a lot of the artists have released sort of, you know, during the pandemic videos, which let them play stuff they don't ordinarily play. And this is actually getting to be more of a thing. One of my favorite artists is Lucinda Williams, and she's going to put together a whole set of tribute concerts with guests, which I think the first one she's doing is Tom Petty. And you pay for that, but it's not as much as you're going to pay at a venue. And and I don't think she could do that, you know, in, a, in, a, in, a, in the course of a tour. But what I also think is that a lot of this is really increasing the appetite for a huge comeback when this is all over. I, I think that people are going to reaffirm their dedication to live performance. I just think it's going to be a terrible... Struggle to keep the venues going and get them, you know, booted back up uh, after all of this is over. But I'm, I I feel very worried about the interim, but a little more positive about the long term. I don't know how you feel about that.
0: Yeah, I'm feeling the same way as well. I mean, our our generation experiences music and has expectations of music, I think, that are very different from uh, younger audiences. But the... The kind of the visceral reaction we all get from live performance of any art form is the same. It crosses all generations. Absolutely. And when it's good, it's good, and it touches you, and that's why we do it. And we'll find ways. We will. So I am, in, in that sense, too, optimistic, Chris. And yeah, we're going to miss a few things that we just can't replicate anymore. But that's part of the evolution. And uh, I think the watch this space takeaway from today, Chris, is... These kind of technologies that we've been harping on for the last half hour, um, they, they go beyond the workplace, obviously, and they, they're going to touch every element of our lives and perform, performing arts needs it as much as anything.
1: Well, the tech I agree with you, John. The technologies are super adaptable, and I think they're friendly enough that the users figure out a way to adapt them. Um, and that's exciting.
0: Yeah, I agree. All right, let's bottle that. And we're going to have to close out now. So that brings us to the end of today's time for uh, our current episode. So we would like to thank you all for listening. Uh, We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you'll continue with us as we explore the future of work here on Watch This Space. Uh, You can access all of our episodes at uh, the website I've got going called www.watchthisspace.tech or wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. And there'll be more of those venues uh, coming online very soon. So also, if you uh, like what you hear, please leave us a review or a rating wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, with that, I'm Chris Fine. (laughs) I'm John Arnold. I'm John Arnold. Yeah. Let's leave that in. Okay. (laughs) You guys figure it out. And we'll be back next month with another episode. So thanks again all for listening.
1: So long and thanks, everybody.